Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there tuning in with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and if it is, feel free to like it and share it with others. If you'll go over to establishedinthefaith.com, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast. You can now get us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others as well. Feel free to contact us there on the website with questions and comments that you may have pertaining to the program today. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, dealing with the church at Philadelphia. We hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. The city of Philadelphia was a fortified city, about 125 to 150 miles inland from the coast. And uh, it's a typical Turkish town, but most of the original population that was there has moved away because this area of the world is very prone to earthquakes. Uh, In our church history, Philadelphia represents the missionary church period. It began around 1800. It continues unto this hour. Now, most of the first missionaries came out of England. They sent missionaries to Africa and India, China, and many other countries, including the United States. And the Lord has blessed them tremendously because of their missionary outreach. But things begin to wind down as far as their missionary efforts and the United States took over where England left off and it is because of our missionary efforts around the world that God has blessed our country and as long as our greatest export is the gospel of Jesus Christ God will continue to bless our country but I'm afraid today that things are starting to wind down as far as our missionary efforts around the world. A lot of what we're sending out today, they're digging ditches and furnishing wells, and they're doing all kinds of work as as that is concerned, feeding the hungry, that type of thing. But The missionary work that the Lord considers to be missionary work is the preaching of the gospel. That is the mission of the church. Yes, it is important to give shots to the little kids that need it, to feed the hungry, to help them water their crops with irrigation systems. All of these things are good works. And yes, we should pitch in a hand and help them whenever that we can. But I'm afraid today that most of the missionary efforts today 
are in the area of works and very little gospel is being preached today. And uh, like I said, when England began to slow down as far as their missionary efforts, England is no longer the number one nation in the world. The United States is, but I think we're starting to lose our way today. At any rate, Jesus made the statement there in verse 7 of this verse of which I've just read to you. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David. Now, the key of David speaks of the incarnation, not reincarnation. That's what the Hinduists believe. You die and come back as an animal. That's reincarnation. We believe in the incarnation, God becoming man. And this phrase right here, he said... He has the key of David. Right after the fall of man, God pointed to a redeemer who would bruise the head of Satan. Some 2,000 years later, God called forth a man by the name of Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and said, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's purpose for Abraham and Sarah was to bring forth the nation of Israel, a nation to whom he would give his word, and then ultimately the Son of God, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And a short time after Abraham and Sarah, God spoke to his grandson Jacob and revealed to Jacob that it was through the tribe of Judah that the Redeemer would come. Later on, when David came to the throne of Israel... The Lord revealed to David of the tribe of Judah that the Redeemer would come from his own family through his lineage. A short time later, Isaiah would prophesy that a a virgin shall conceive. And that holy thing which would be born of her would be called Emmanuel, God with us. In this passage of scripture, the Bible says that these things saith he that is holy. Jesus Christ is holy. He has always been holy. When he was born of the Virgin Mary, his conception was not a result of the process of natural procreation. Man had absolutely nothing to do with it. God spoke to Mary, said, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, 
and you will call his name Jesus, Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. Mary had some questions, but she finally said, Be it unto me according to your word. And the power of God came upon her that night, and she conceived in her womb the miraculous conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. Due to the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God becoming man, Jesus did not have a sin nature. Therefore, he never sinned, not one time in word, thought, or deed. He lived a perfect life for the 33 and a half years that he walked upon this earth. He was just as holy then when he was in the form of a man, in the form of sinful flesh, but yet without sin. He was just as holy then as he was when he was in heaven with the Father in eternity past. Holy. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you tonight, that is the truth. That is the truth. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is the key. Of salvation. It is not one of the keys. It is the only key. And when it says there. The key of David. He is the one that has the keys of salvation. If you want to be saved. You go to Jesus. You don't go to Buddha. You don't go to Allah. You don't go to Hindu. You don't go to, to anyone of that nature. They're not going to do you any good. But if you want to be saved, the only one that's got the keys to salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. There is no other way. Now, we have some today that are embracing other ways. But I remind you, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am he that openeth, and no man shutteth. Revelation 3 and 7, that little phrase there, I am he that openeth, and no man shutteth. Jesus Christ is the only open door of salvation for mankind. That's it. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Jesus Christ is that open door. Only one door. 
Then he said there in Revelation 3 and 7, he said, And shutteth, and no man openeth. If Jesus is the only open door of salvation, that means all other doors are closed. The Muslims need to hear that. We need to hear that. But see, the problem is man is constantly inventing and pulling on other doors of salvation. Man is always trying to find another way to save himself. There is no other salvation other than through Jesus Christ. All of those other doors are shut. And he spoke to this church, Revelation 3 and verse 8. He said, I know thy works. In the first chapter of the book of Revelation, Jesus is pictured standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The seven golden candlesticks are symbolic of the seven churches. Jesus is standing he's, and he's walking and he's moving in the midst of those candlesticks. And the Bible says that his eyes were like a flame of fire. Nothing gets by the Lord. He sees everything. He knows everything. He knows what's going on in this church. He knows what's going on in the church up the road. He knows you're not going to get anything over on him. He knows. And he made that statement to every single one of the churches. He said, I know thy works. He said, behold, I have set before thee. An open door, and no man can shut it. The Lord opened up this door, and missionary efforts began, like I said, around 1800 with England leading the way. And today, we here in America carry on these missionary efforts. But God has opened up the door for missionary work today in a way that he has never opened it before. God has blessed us with the technology of today. Through the internet, social media, satellites that beam the signal all over the world, television, radio, You name it, and God has opened up the door for the gospel to be spread all over the world. Now you think about that. Never before has this door been opened like it is today. Right now, people in other countries can go on the internet and log on to certain ministries, and they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached without a missionary being sent there physically. But now the problem is, there's not very many that are utilizing these tools of which the Lord has given us. Notice what he said there. In verse 8, Revelation 3 and 8, he said, Thou hast a little strength. 
Now, the Lord was not referring to spiritual strength. He was referring to strength in numbers. Very small church there in Philadelphia. It's been a very small group of people that are going through this open door that the Lord has opened. And like I said, what few are out there today that are utilizing these tools the Lord has given us, they're not being true according to the Word of God. They're preaching a greed gospel. They're telling people how to get rich. They're telling people how to better relate to other people. And they're selling holy water and shofars and prayer cloths and everything else in the world you can imagine. They're using these tools to get money. It's being misused. So it's very little. He said there is a little strength. These people that are doing these things, they are denying the name of the Lord. They're not doing things according to the word. But Jesus said here to these few people, he said, you have kept my word and you've not denied my name. There's only a few that are obeying the Lord's word and trusting in what he did at Calvary to save them. There's only a few that are truly spreading the gospel today. He said there in verse 9, he said, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Let's take a look at that particular verse. Now, evidently, there was a group of Jews there in Philadelphia who were practicing Judaism. And anyone who does not keep the Lord's word and they deny his name, they can call themselves whatever they want to. But the Lord does not recognize them. They can call themselves Jews because they do particular rituals and they keep certain Sabbath days and whatever the case. They are not truly Jewish if they reject Jesus Christ. Do you realize tonight that you and I are more Jewish than those that are born physical Jews? Why? Because we have trusted in the only begotten Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you can call yourself whatever, but if you're not keeping His Word, Jesus called them the synagogue of Satan. I'll go so far to, as to say this, any church that does not keep his word and denies his name, they can call themselves a church of God, but God calls them. Jesus called them a church of Satan. Why? Because you're not keeping my word and you have denied my name. There are some churches today that are saying, hey, you know, you know, the Muslims over there, they've got their Quran, and as long as they 
follow the teachings of Allah, they're being sincere, God will look at that and he'll let them slide on by. That ain't what the book says. They've denied the only begotten Son of God. They can call themselves a church. Jesus calls them a church of Satan. Now, he said there, Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Jews for years thought of themselves as being supreme. They thought that all the Gentiles would come and bow before them one day. But the Lord flips it around and says it's going to be quite the opposite. In the coming kingdom age, the Jews will come and bow before the very one whom they have denied. They will come and bow before the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that you and I have accepted. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess the Lord Jesus. Revelation 3 and verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Notice that. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Flip over to James chapter 1, if you will. Show you something there. Now, the word of my patience, that little phrase there in Revelation 3 and 10, it speaks of the trying of our faith. All faith has to be tested, and great faith has to be tested greatly. And in James chapter 1, move down, if you will, to verse 2. The Bible says, My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Notice that. Move down to verse 12, James 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love Him. All right, go back to Revelation 3 and verse 10. About midway that verse, Jesus said, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, this speaks of the seven year. Tribulation period. Does that tell you how close we are to these end time events? Now, how is the Lord going to keep us from that hour of temptation? Well, the answer is found in verse 11. He said, behold, I come quickly. 
Jesus is coming. I said, Jesus is coming. He's coming back. And he's coming back with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We're going to put on a glorified body. The former things have passed away. The bursitis is gone. The arthritis is gone. You won't need those glasses anymore. You won't need those crutches anymore. You won't need that walker anymore. Because all the old things will be passed away. You're going to have a new body. That's how the Lord is going to keep us from that hour of temptation. The great tribulation period. He's going to come and rapture us out of here. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, that could be at any moment. There is nothing in the word of God left to be fulfilled. The rapture could take place at any moment. Now, let me point out something else. There are those who believe that the rapture will take place first. That's what we believe. There are those that believe that you're going to have to go through part of the tribulation period before the rapture takes place. And there are those that believe you're going to have to go through all of the tribulation period. That ain't what this right here says. If you keep the word of his patience and you do not deny his name, and you hold on to the way, the truth, and the life, he's going to take you out. The rapture is going to take place at any moment. We'll be called up to meet him in the air. He said, hold that fast, verse 11 again. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. That's referring to the crown of life that we just read there in James chapter 1 and verse 12. We got a crown of life waiting for us. All right. He said there in verse 12, Revelation 3 and verse 12, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Solomon's temple <clears throat> had two huge pillars that sit right in front of the temple. Those two pillars, they did not hold up anything. They didn't support anything. They were there strictly for ornamentation. Those pillars were made of copper. And... It's been said that people would camp outside of Jerusalem overnight, get up early in the morning, and as the sun rose over Mount Olivet, the sun would shine upon the temple. And those two huge pillars made of copper would shine they would reflect the sun. They were so beautiful that people would camp outside Jerusalem just to see those two huge pillars become 
emblazoned by the reflection of the sun. You and I are to be a reflection of God's Son, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be, a reflection of God's light. Those two pillars, like I said, were made of copper. And it takes a lot of maintenance to keep copper shining. If it sits out in the weather in the elements, it'll tarnish. It'll turn green. It'll not shine as it ought to. So it has to be polished. And that copper can't polish itself. It takes workers that knows what they're doing to keep those two pillars polished. And those workers are a type of the Holy Spirit. As you and I commune with God and we allow the Holy Spirit to move and work within our lives, He's polishing us up. He's getting off the corrosion. He's getting off those things that ought not to be there. And the more he polishes, the more of the light can reflect off of those pillars. But you can't stay out of church weeks and months on end and be out here in the world and not get tarnished. It is a constant thing that you have to bring yourself into the presence of God. Wednesday night, Sunday, Sunday morning, whenever the door is open. And maybe the church door is not open. You can go to the Lord at any time and say, Lord, I've, I've missed it. I've really messed things up. And I need your help. You can go to the Lord anytime and say, Lord, I need you to polish me up here in this area. And he'll do it. He'll do it. And uh, that that tarnishing, just sitting out there doing nothing, just sitting out there in the elements, you get you get tarnished. Just being in this world, you're going to get tarnished. So it's important to... Let those workers, those whom God has set in the church, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the, the five-fold ministry, it's good to put yourself under their care and to learn the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit deal with you and work with you. All right. He said, and he shall go no more out. This means that we will have a constant position in the presence of God. We'll always be in the presence of the Lord. And I don't know about you. There's been times when I have felt His presence very strongly. There's nothing like being in the presence of of God, feeling His Spirit come upon you in whatever the case. 
But there's coming a day when we'll forever be in the presence of God and we'll always feel and sense His presence. He said, I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. This means that we belong to God and that we'll spend eternity with God. And in verse 13, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To the churches. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.